Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 255 of Rob Kretschak. How are you, Rob? Doing great. So thank you so much, Dale, for having me. Really appreciate you uh, having me on and grateful for the opportunity. Uh, my pleasure, mate. Well, thank you for making the time. Now, um, one of the things I find really fascinating why I want to have you on the show is um, I love when people, you read their story and a lot of people have a story and um, it's all about making it. And I think this is something that we're ingrained with early on, Rob, that it's all about your career. You know, you've made it when you get that career you want, but really that doesn't equal happiness. And I don't want to steal your story, but I think a lot of people can relate to this, particularly after two years of realizing that they aren't their work. And I can resonate with that, that you are more than your work. You're a person before everything. You're a friend, a family member and everything like that. So do you want to paint a little bit of a picture of your background and introduce yourself, your story to the audience, please? Yeah, absolutely. Dale, happy to share that with you and the listeners. So um, I grew up in Wisconsin, which is about 90 miles north of Chicago in a small Midwestern town of 2,500 people. And as a kid, you know, I didn't realize that at the time, but I was pretty anxious. And um, that was a, a really difficult time for me. I was bullied on the bus, on the school bus, because our bus driver was really old and didn't really care about what happened on the bus. Um, but one of the other things that kind of happened to me as a kid is when I was in high school, I developed really, really bad acne. And that was super, you know, super tough time for me because I had very low self-esteem, self-worth, you know, it was really difficult for me to connect with people because of this acne. And I was just like super self-conscious, you know, one of the years form of the school book, year, uh, the school uh, yearbook picture, I didn't even go to the picture at all. Cause I, I just didn't wow. want people to remember my face that way. And, um, you know, so that was a very difficult time for me as a kid, but when I, uh, I took two courses of Accutane, which is like this super strong acne medicine. And eventually my acne got better, like at the end of my senior year of high school, basically. And so with the Accutane plus discovering alcohol in college, you know, I kind of started <laughs> coming out into my own, right? Like it was a, it was kind of a game changer for me. Like it, uh, so that was a good thing. And then I went to school, um, and, and then started my career out of school in finance and, I got a very highly coveted job in the, one of the best firms in Milwaukee to work for. I was a sell side equity analyst covering healthcare stocks, both medical device and pharmaceutical companies. And the, you know, this was a job where, um, you know, not long after college, I was making six figures, and you know, like you think you'd have everything, right? Like great firm, great, you know, great career projection, great, you know, salary, but um, you know. When I started that job, I made a list of all the things that I wanted to buy. And by the end of my first year, I bought most of them. And I, I kind of like said to myself, gee, I'm not really happy. You know, I'm not, I, this doesn't really make sense. Like I have all the, you know, I have a good job. I have all these things that I've wanted, but I, I just don't really feel any different inside. And so that was kind of a, a wake up call for me that I, you know, started on this journey of self-improvement and reflection. And, you know, I've, I've been on that journey for the last 20 years. And, um, you know, I, I definitely resonate with what you said in the beginning in that you are not your job. You are not the items you have. You are not the car you drive. Um, I always kind of think of it like this. If, uh, you know, me and a group of 100 people somehow um, found ourselves on the moon and we had to live there, who would I be? Like, what, what kind of person would I be? Because then you, none of that other shit that we have on earth really matters. And what matters there is like, 
who, like how you treat other people and what you can offer people from like an emotional and a relationship standpoint, not the things that, you know, money buys you. And so I, I kind of think of that often just as like a, a gut check for myself. And, you know, I ask myself, like, would I be proud of the person that I would be if I, if I had to live on the moon with other human, a hundred other humans? And if the answer to that question is yes, then I feel like I'm kind of on the right track. Well, I've, I've never heard the moon analogy. I think that's really good. I, I use, I think about like, and, and we're all going to die. It's inevitable. But when, when you mm-hmm. die, like you're not taking your cars, your house, your stock options to the grave with mm-hmm. you. All, you. all people remember you, like the impact you have and were you a nice person? Did did you make people, did you lift them up around you? Were you kind? Like that's essentially yeah. what it comes down to. And that's the moon's exactly the same. I, I love that. Another way of saying what you just said, and I, I thought that this quote was really helpful. I can't remember who said it, but they say you die twice in this world. The first time when you take your last breath and the second time when someone mentions your name for the last time. Wow. Now I was Boom. like, that's, that's freaking, that's a really cool way of thinking about that's things. mock drop. That's mock drop sort of set up there, <laughs> Rob. Like we're done. <laughs> Mate, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Now I want to get onto that, but I think one of the things people listening here, there'll be parents listening or teachers or, or someone dealing with kids that like, it's such a hard world these days, particularly imagine if social media was around, you know, when oh, you were yeah. going through with your acne and, and you've like your body worth, like you, you had, you had none. What, what advice would you give to oh, if teenagers are listening or, or people that are in situations and they know somebody that their self-worth is so low, like, how, from what you've learned and everything you've gone through, how would you talk to them or give advice around, you know, your experiences? Yeah, that's a really great question, Dale. And um, I, I guess I'll share a couple of things first and then I'll share the advice. So one of the side effects of me being addicted to the, uh, of me uh, having the acne was that I actually became addicted to video games because our family computer was in my bedroom. Now, this was in the mid 90s when, you know, most people didn't even have a cell phone. Right. And so I kind of say that jokingly that I was addicted to technology before it was cool to be addicted to technology. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that that but that but that made it very real to me that technology can't is not always a good thing. And then at other parts of my life, I was addicted to Facebook and I was addicted to my email for my job. And so, like, this is a very personal mission for me because I've seen the negative effects of technology in my life in many ways. And I'm trying to help other people prevent, you know, doing mistakes that I did in my life um, and and I personally experienced. And so I kind of think back to my life and, you know, what would like, what advice would I give my 15 year old self? And excuse me, I think at the time it would have been hard to really live this out. But what I, what I, what I wish I would have known or, or truly believed is you just don't need to give a damn about what other people think. There was this point in my mid twenties where I, I, I did, I did some like courses and self-improvement courses. And, and one of the outcomes of the course was you just don't really need to care what other people think about anything about what you look like or your career. And as soon as I did that, it really set me free mentally. And it just allowed me to decouple my identity from the thoughts of other people. And once I did that, I just, I felt like I had a new lease on life and I could live life on my own terms. And that was a really powerful thing that I wish I would have recognized, you know, a decade earlier. Yeah. 
the way you say that, and I, I know this, it sounds so simple. Just forget what other people think, but it's not, is it? Like, do you know what I mean? We we are we are so worried about what other people think about us, what they might be talking about on our back, but deep down, no one cares. But how do you how do you you flip that switch, Rob? Because it sounds so easy. Just just don't worry about what other people think, but it's not that easy. It's not. And, and, you know, that's the thing is the difference between saying that, but truly believing it is the difference in, in why that's effective, right? Because like you can obviously say anything, but until you truly believe it, it doesn't actually affect who you are. But here's the way that I kind of think about it. And if you think about it in this way, it really, it sort of like can put you at ease. So, you know, think about all the people that you might, you know, talk to in your life or meet in your life, right? Like, whether it's a random person that you see on the sidewalk or, you know, you're good, like a good friend or maybe even your best friend, right? Obviously, you know, you care a lot about your best friends and your family and the people who are close to you in your life, but you're still not like watching their every move and like scrutinizing everything, you know, and, and obviously, you know, even less so for the people that you just meet randomly, like you see someone on the sidewalk you walk by them, maybe you say hi, and that's it. And you probably don't ever think about them in, again in your life unless you maybe see them. But the point is that you know, if you're not really, you don't really care about what other people say or do for the most part. Uh, and, and if you do, it's usually in a way that's positive, like you're trying to help them or you, you care about them. Um, but you're, most people aren't sitting there going through life and just criticizing every single thing that all the other people in their life do or criticizing random people, right? But that's what a lot of people think internally. They think that, oh, like other people are, are criticizing me or think this about me when really in reality, they just don't. And so if you think about how little you actually care about what other people, you know, like how other people look, what other people do, and then you apply that same thinking to yourself from other people, I think that that makes it much easier to actually believe, oh yeah, like people really don't care. It's not that they don't care about you. They just don't care about what you look like or what you're saying as much as you think. And that to me is kind of a way to give yourself the permission to not care about what they think then. Yeah, Rob, that's spot on. And, and really deep down, people are that consumed on what they're doing themselves or their own life that they right. don't care about you. Yeah, they're too busy worrying about themselves to worry about you. That's another way of putting it, really. Yeah, it's probably, probably a nice way instead of caring, worrying. I, I like how you reframe <laughs> yeah. that. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, worry. Yeah, I should have used that word instead. <laughs> <laughs> I might take that on board. That's great. Now, um, a couple of things you said before, obviously, you use video games as, you know, that was a safe place. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And that's why gaming is so big these days, because, um you know, you're, you're an avatar, you can take on a different identity. And I suppose um, with Facebook and things like that, you can portray yourself how you like. And through email, people aren't, you know, it's your words that are doing it and, and things like that. So how being addicted to, you know, sort of technologies like that, how, how did they, they probably served a purpose at the start, but then how did you realize like, oh, this is a problem? Yeah, uh, that's a funny, it's kind of a funny story. So my dad, um, so my, my bedroom was in, in one room and then the other side of my wall was the living room. Right. And my dad would typically fall asleep in the recliner in the living room. <laughs> and then like, usually he would wake up at some kind of crazy hour at like between one and 3am and go to bed. Right. 
And so one day I was up really late on a school night and I was playing this video game and it was after midnight. And like, so, and I usually got up at like 5 a.m. So I definitely had to, I should have been asleep, but I wasn't. And so my dad knocks on the bedroom door. He's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, hey, I'm just playing this video game. He's like, look, you know, you shouldn't be playing this video game. And I was old enough to know, right? I was probably like 15 or 16. It wasn't like I was like, oh, you know. So uh, <laughs> I knew that I shouldn't have been playing it. And I'm like, okay, okay, I won't play the video game again, right? But I was so addicted that it was really hard to stop playing. And so about a week later, um, I'm playing the video game when I after I told my dad that I shouldn't be or that I wouldn't. And I hear this knock on the door. I'm like, oh, shit. And so, in trouble. <laughs> now the door opens and my dad's there and he looks pissed. And he's <laughs> my dad is usually like a really calm guy. And he didn't, you know, he's not a, a, a guy who would like do anything violent. But all he did, he didn't even say anything to me. He just walked over to the computer, hit the eject button on the CD-ROM drive. He took the CD out and he crushed it in front of me. And he said, I'll pay you for that, but you're not going to play that again. And that was the end of it. And so I learned that I was addicted because my dad just basically had to be my, uh, you know, logic check and help me, you know, not play the video game by force, which maybe wasn't the best tactic. He could have definitely handled that differently, but I don't blame him. And I understand why he did it. And that was really the end of playing that game. <laughs> that that was it, I suppose. <laughs> it's pretty yes. hard. It's not like it's not like today when you you do need a CD ROM. These days, everything's on the cloud, and it'd be a different lesson for your old man now. But uh, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so with that, I suppose then you know Facebook come along and email and things like that. And um, mm. I think particularly, I don't want to talk about COVID because I'm sick of it, Rob, and I'm sure you are as well. But um, people have relied on those two platforms and others to stay communicated. Yeah. And with that, they can use it as an excuse to probably overuse or obsess like, his amount of time spent doom scrolling or because yeah. that's how they connect, but then it becomes a problem. So what have you seen, I suppose, with the relationships of that your experience, I suppose, with relationships to people through social media and um, other people as well, like the positives and negatives? Oh yeah. Wow. This is a, uh, this is a great topic, Dale. So, I mean, we could literally talk about the answer to that question dies. for an hour alone. Um, <laughs> so I'll try to keep it short, but you know, I, I started researching this topic four years ago and in four years, I've read over a hundred books and over 2000 articles and studies about what I call technology mindfulness. So I feel like I've just tried to go to the ends of the earth to truly understand this problem and human psychology and you know, I describe what I'm talking to people about as a combination of psychology, sociology, technology, biology, and neurology. And that's why I think my perspective is very unique because a lot of people look at this problem from like one or two of those angles, but not all five. And so, um, I, you know, talking about social media, I do think that social media can be somewhat beneficial for people. But I think that 99% of people use it in a way that does not serve them well. Um, to illustrate this, let me give you, um, uh, let me tell you about a, a quick psychological study that these researchers did. So they were trying to understand the impact of using Facebook and Instagram on society. And what these researchers did is they paid people $102, like real dollars in cash to give up the use of Facebook and Instagram for one full month. And so at the end of the study, they concluded that 
the use of Facebook and Instagram gives people low self-esteem, makes them more stressed out, makes them more divided or polarized. And worsely, it um, takes time away, in-person time away from friends and family. And to me, like that last thing is the most sad thing. I mean, essentially what, what people are doing when they're on social media is they're making Mark Zuckerberg more rich and they are, um, you know, spending less in-person time with friends and family. They're damaging the relationships that they care about the most in this world. And so people, what people don't understand is when you say yes to social media, you're saying no to other things. And one of the other things you're saying no to is spending time with your family. And I, I just wish that everyone thought about it in that way, because the average person, at least in America, spends two hours and 14 minutes on social media, and that's right around the worldwide average. So let's just pretend it's about two hours a day worldwide average. And so even if you, let's say, just cut your social media time in half and spent an hour a day, and then you spent that other extra hour doing something in person with someone like connecting with your family and having dinner or having coffee with a friend or going out on a date night with your spouse... I promise you that you would have so much more love and joy in your life compared to spending that extra time on social media. And like, if I, if there's one thing that I could tell humanity, it would be that, that like spending the time on social media is a trap. It makes you think that you feel good about it, but it really doesn't. It makes you feel worse. And, but people think it makes them feel better. It's like the most crazy irony. And I, I wish I could let the whole world know that. Well, I think that's exactly like you said, Mark Zuckerberg. That's that's what they want you to. That's what they want you to feel. Like they make it totally. that addictive. Like like poking machines or slot machines. They they use the same yes. mechanics to do that. And um, I I don't know the TED talk I heard this on, but we've never been more connected, but socially disconnected. And that's more lonely, what's right. happened. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what's happened, hasn't it? Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, one of the, the, unfortunately, the thing that I I'm the most sad about that I've learned over the last four years is that in 2020, the most Googled fear was a fear of other people. The thing wow. that makes us most human connecting with other people is now the thing we fear the most. And so I, you know, I'm here to show people that there is a better way. Like we have a better way of living our lives. We ha we can do things differently. It's not even that hard we just have to be a little bit mindful about how we use our technology. And I truly believe that we as humans can do a better job of that. Yeah. So, so like you just said, I think you gave some great ideas before, you know, like cutting it in half, that, that's great, but it might be a little bit challenging for people. Are there other, you know, little, I, I believe little steps equal big steps eventually. Um, are there some yeah. little steps people can implement today, Rob, that they're like, all right, I, I'm aware that I probably do have an issue because deep down, if people look in the mirror, I can say, I, I'm probably on it too much as well. You know, at night you just, you scroll, you know, that's what you do. Like, but you could mm -hmm. do something better. So if you've got a couple of little tips, I'm, I'm interested as well, mate, I'll, I'll take something on board. Of course. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm quickly learning as I work with more people and teams that, you know, doing drastic things, I'm, I'm kind of like a, a, a drastic or extreme person. And I like those, but that's not, that doesn't help the average person change <laughs> their behavior because <laughs> most people don't do drastic things, which is fine. Right. So as an example, here's one thing that I suggest, or a couple of things I suggest to people. So um, I personally have deleted social media from my phone completely. I get that that's extreme. So here's my interim kind of compromise solution for people. Most people, almost everyone has that has social media on their phone has it on their home screen when they you know unlock their phone, the main screen, right? 
So here's something you could do in 30 seconds. I promise you it will change how you use your phone and it's not that hard. So you take all your social media apps and you don't delete them, but instead you move them to the very last page of apps on your, on your phone. So what that's going to do is increase the friction or the amount of effort it takes you to use the apps. And that's the whole point. The point is to make it slightly less convenient to use the app. And my hope is that maybe as you're scrolling through your home screens, you start thinking to yourself each time, oh, is there a specific pur purpose or intention for me to use the app right now? Because if there isn't, maybe I should do something else like be with my family or exercise or do something else that makes my life better. And, you know, maybe you start doing a few of those things. The other thing, though, that will happen if you do this very interestingly is that in the next week, you're going to open your phone a bunch of times. And what you're going to do is you're going to try to hit the space where those apps used to be. <laughs> so and you're going to like be scared <laughs> that you're like, oh, my God, I am doing this so many times that it, it just automatically that it's kind of crazy. And you're going to realize how much your your mind and body are an autopilot because you're using social media probably when you're bored or uncomfortable. And so that's just one simple thing you can do. Another one is you could turn off virtually all of the notifications on your phone. Um, you, you know, 85% of people who have a smartphone have never touched the notifications. And so that means that almost nine out of 10 people could stand to, you know, drastically reduce the amount of times that their phone interrupts them. And so all you do is just go to the notification section of the settings. And I, my decision for myself is that I've turned out all notifications except for my phone text messages, and then travel apps or delivery apps, just so I make sure I don't miss my flight, for instance. And so I've turned every other one off. And that dramatically reduced the amount of times that I interact with my phone each day, which allows me to be more present and focused and, you know, be engaged in the conversation I'm in or be focused on what I'm doing for my company for humans first. Yeah. And I love that because you see now, particularly as well, everyone's got the smart watch. So not only if they don't oh, have their phone, oh. they're getting distracted and you're in meetings. Those are people. Yeah, I know they are. And it, it keeps going off and you're like, and people look at it. And that, that, again, that's being present. And I feel, and I don't know who told this, another quote, I'm not just real quotes off, but Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso. He goes, it's called oh. being present for a reason because it's a gift, not only for you, but yes. the people you're with. And I just think every time that notification goes off, you're straight away forgetting what, what yeah. you're doing. And it, it's, it's like a hit of dopamine. You're like, oh, someone needs me. Someone wants me. But it's yeah. not, is it? It's, it's, it's a yuck, yuck feeling. Well, it's interesting you say that, Dale. And I've been trying to, I'd be curious if this resonates with your listeners because I've been trying to explain it in this way. Do you meditate at all? Uh, I, sometimes. I, I used to. I, not as much. Oh. I, I like walking. I go, my meditation oh. now is I'll go for a 30 minute walk with no device, nothing. And oh, I just walk. That. So cool. probably for me, it's an active, active break, yeah. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that, you know, to me is a form of meditation. And to be honest, I'm not that good at meditation, although I have gotten into it more recently, but let's just talk about meditation in general for humanity, right? The reason that meditation is helpful for people is it brings you into the present, right? You're focusing on your breath or you're focusing on being here and now you're not worrying about the future or ruminating about the past. So this sense of presence is the main benefit from meditation. Yeah, for sure. So meditation is, is helpful because it brings us into the present. Well, if you think about what constant technology use does or is for you, it pulls you out of the present because you're getting sucked into the world, the technology world. And so if you think about it, constant 
technology use is like the anti-meditation for your life. It's like the opposite of meditation. And if you think about it in that way, it's kind of scary that we're choosing to essentially pull ourselves out of the present for many, many, many times a day, sometimes hundreds of times a day. That can't be good for us. That's, that can't be good for our mental state. It can't be good for relationships. And it's not how humans were designed to function. No, no, then, well, I think it's like if you're trying to multitask, that's a load of, load of shit as well. You can't, you can't do that, Rob. But, but that's essentially, right. that's what people are doing these days. They're multitasking every day because every time they're doing something, they're also getting notifications. So it, they're doing everything not quite right. Well, so, and this, I, I can explain a couple of stats about what, what I see are the biggest problems with our workforce today and how people are doing their jobs, if that would be helpful to the listeners. hundred oh, percent. I think that's really important, particularly with the way the working day and working environments have changed. Um, there yeah. are more distractions. So I think that's really, yeah, it's going to be great. Cool. Well, I'd love to share this with you because I think that this is, this is so critical to what's happening in our world today, at least from a work standpoint. So let's pretend you're at work and you're having one of those days where you're just crushing it, right? You're like, everything <laughs> is going my way. I'm just, everything is amazing. Like I'm, I'm banging through, um, you know, I'm banging through stuff. Like, you know, you're just on it, right? Like that is a state called flow in psychology where you're just at this amazingly productive state. Everything is going great, right? You know, and I'm not saying that happens every day, but we've all had those days where you're just like, yeah, like everything is kick-ass. So... <laughs> When you're in this state of flow, all the research shows that you are up to 500% more productive. So what that means is if you could get just two hours of flow per day, you can accomplish more in those two hours than the average person can accomplish in an entire day. Wow. Now, here's the problem with this, right? Like, not like, so who doesn't want to be in flow? Like basically, you know, if the whole world could be in flow all the time at their jobs, like look at how much more we'd get done. It would be insane. <laughs> It'd be totally insane. But here's the problem is when you're in flow and you get interrupted, it takes you 23 minutes to get back into flow. Well, here are some other statistics that are really bothersome. The average person checks their email and Slack once every six minutes, and we get a smartphone notification on our phone once every 15 minutes. So you're doing the math. And if you're checking your email and smartphone all the time, that's way more than once every 23 minutes. And so the average person is never, ever in flow at all. And they're never then doing high quality work or being nearly as productive as they could be. And yeah. so if you, and now this sounds very simple, but basically if you could just block off two hours in your calendar and completely eliminate distractions, no email, no Slack, no smartphone, no nothing, and do amazing work, you would be ridiculously productive and that would be an amazing day. But the average, and I've, I've coached people on this a ton, and that sounds like so simple, but it is actually very difficult for people just blocking off two hours and not being distracted. But the, re the reason I know this has worked is I thought it was being very productive before I experimented with this by myself. And when I started doing it, I actually block off three hours every morning. And when I started doing it, like the amount of stuff that I was able to accomplish was totally insane. It was like exponentially more than before. And um, there's also this Harvard Business Review study that shows that of 100 different productivity hacks, they surveyed thousands of people and time blocking your calendar, which is what I'm describing, was the number one productivity hack. So like, wow. this is like a game changer and basically no one in the world is doing this. And it's really that not that complicated. 
it's 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 pretty easy to do if you're just a little disciplined well and i i do i do the same thing and particularly mine's been uh, i was telling you before where i'm in my recording studio in the back of my shed i don't get phone yeah. reception in here um and oh, so nice, actually for, for me when i'm when i'm in here i've got no distractions i don't have anything open on my computer or whatever i'm doing and it's amazing. You only have to work two or three hours a day. And I, and then I'm done mm-hmm. and I know that. And then I can walk away and I've got time to do things I want to do instead of fluffing yes. around all day. Is that essentially what, you know, because that's what you're giving back to people. Currency is time and it's so hard to get yes. more of it. That's what you're giving people. Well, and that's exactly my value proposition for Humans First, Dale, is I am a consultant that helps businesses officially transition from a five-day work week to a four-day work week with no loss in productivity or profitability, and the employees get paid the same. And when I say a four-day work week, I mean four eight-hour days, not four 10-hour days. And the way that I can accomplish this is by helping people understand all these things that they're doing to themselves with the way they use their technology and use the technology just a little bit differently for them to get more productivity out of their day so that they can spend that extra day per week doing whatever they want, like travel, spend time with your family, exercise, take up a hobby, I don't care. But like, to me, that is one of the greatest gifts I could give humanity is an extra day of time back for every single person at that company. That's really really motivating for me. I I love that, Rob, because we... (laughs) At the end of the day, everyone's excuse is they don't have time, which again, I right. think it's it's a massive excuse because you do, but just means you're not prioritizing. And like you said, try and slice maybe your, your um, social media time in half and then you'd have you know an extra seven, eight hours a week just alone. There's one, but I don't want to steal your thunder because what you've said now, people are listening and I, can, I know so many people that go, I would love to work four days, not five. Um, so people yeah. out there, businesses, anyone... Um, You've got an amazing offer today. Do you want to just share that with everyone? Because it's really generous what you're giving away for listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm happy to do for your listeners, Dale, is if you go to my website, which is humansfirst.us, go to my website and just, um, there's two buttons on there. One says, tell me more. One says, get in touch. If you um, click one of those buttons and then fill out the form and then say that you heard me on your on, on your podcast and mentioned Dale's podcast, um, what I'll do is I will give any of the listeners a free half hour consultation with me to chat about their technology mindfulness practices and some of the things that they're doing so that I could find some ways to help you get some more of your time back and help you live a better life. You know, that's wow. ultimately the goal for me. Very generous, Rob. But I, I think the, the best thing about that is that um, if you run a business, obviously you want people to be more productive, but if you're an individual, uh, you know what I mean? You want more time to spend doing the things you love. Um, and I think, you know, simple little things. And if you're struggling with that, reach out to Rob and, you know, get that. So that's episode number 255. They'll be in the show notes. Now, Rob, before I let you go, mate, what do you, from, you know, where you came from, obviously changing your career and everything like that, but now the work you're doing, helping people, what are you most proud of? Oh, it's a tough um, question, mate. And, and I don't like it when people throw this one at me, but I think it's also really powerful because I think not often enough people sit back and take a moment to think of the impact they're having or, you know, how bloody good they are. Like, well, what are you most proud of, mate? The impact you're having. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll give you, I guess I'll give you two answers because one of them isn't related to my company, but one is. Um, the thing in my, so like I've had, um, uh, nine companies over about 10 years and, you know, I feel like I had success with a lot of them, not all of them. 
Um, but during that time, you know, one of the things that I always prioritized was my connections and my relationships with other people. And the thing I'm most proud of in my life is that I have been a part of 14 weddings and I've been the best wow. man in four of those 14. And, Jesus. you know, that to me is kind of like, you know, people like when they ask you to be in their wedding, like that's a very, you know, very significant honor that I, you know, find truly rewarding. And, and I guess to me that, you know, me being able to maintain relationships like that with that many, you know, close people while still building ten, uh, nine businesses over 10 years. I mean, that I think is, is difficult for a lot of people to do, but it, it is because I really prioritize people in my life. And that's again, like why the name of my company is humans first. I think that people in this world are prioritizing technology too much. And we're as humans, we are meant to live and breathe and be with other people. And that's, that's why I named my company Humans First as a reminder to people. Um, what I'm most proud of with Humans First is that, uh, again, I get to, I'm really excited about the prospect of potentially impacting the lives of 4.2 billion people who are connected to the internet. I know that if those 4.2 billion people knew what I knew about how technology is impacting their lives, this entire world would be a totally different place. And so that really keeps me motivated to, tr to continue to share this information with people and educate them and help them understand um, what they're, you know, what they're doing or, or how technology is serving them or isn't serving them so that they can make some changes to their lives and make their lives and their relationships better. Wow. Well, that, they're probably the two best answers of ever heard about that now to listeners i did not give rob any questions i didn't give him any prompts um that was that was beautiful mate and i think that's if people are listening that's something you should be able to just recall anyway you should always know what you're proud about yourself i i, mm. I absolutely love that and i think that you know your true wealth is the people and connections you have in your life and by the sounds of things mate you're doing a very good job of that um there's a movie is it 27 dresses with Catherine hagel or whatever you must have that many suits mate <laughs> <laughs> i guess so yeah <laughs> oh, i love it that's great <laughs> uh, well rob mate thanks so much for uh your time today and the generosity of listeners reach out to rob episode number 255 go to the show notes um and just make a call because um take that time back improve your life and um like rob you might get invited to more weddings so rob thanks so much mate i really appreciate it thank you dale appreciate you take care